Hello and welcome to Tranquil Awakenings with me, Debbie Ison. On today's episode, I'll be having a conversation with my husband, Pete. We'll be discussing communication styles, therapies and our journey together and how we've grown and evolved over time as we've come to understand ourselves and each other in a much deeper way through personal development, spiritual learning and therapeutic intervention. So today I'm having a chat with my husband, Pete, who is also a trained therapist. However, your day job is a kitchen designer. That's right. My day job in the 3D world is a kitchen designer. Why I wanted to talk to you is because our journey's been quite interesting together. We've been together over 16 years now. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I met you when I was 18 years old. I just left school and I was about to start university and I'd got a summer job uh, working where you were working at the time. That's right. I was 29 and I was, well, that was me. So I felt like a bit of a waster stuck in a, what I saw as a bit of a dead end job just in the, uh, in the warehouse at Argos working part time so that I could pick my son up from school and make sure he got fed properly and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, so it was a very different world that we were coming from. So, like I said, I'd just left school. I'd got, I was quite driven in terms of I wanted to be a primary school teacher. I'd just got that little job just for a few weeks just to get some pocket money, really. And we didn't really even talk to each other very much during the actual sort of time I worked there. Occasionally you would perhaps lift a ladder for me because I looked like I was a bit dangerous with a ladder or there'd be the occasional item that I couldn't find where you would just go and locate it for me. Yeah, I was in the warehouse all the time, wasn't I, where you were on the shop floor, so you, I'd just see you occasionally when I passed across. Mm-hmm. You were always smiling, so I'd call you Smiler. <laughs> but yeah, after a few weeks, I ended up getting a different job at the council for the summer, working for housing benefits. However, because quite a few people liked me at the Argos branch, because I used to bake them cakes, so that made me quite popular. And I still got invited on your staff night out. That's right. And that's where we really got talking. Yes. And life's never really been the same ever since, has it? No, it hasn't. Not at all. But neither of us were actually going to go on that night out, were we? No. It was sort of quite a last-minute decision for both of us. Yeah. Money was short for me, and I wasn't in the best place um, emotionally or um, what have you. I think I was suffering from some depression at the time, and... uh, yeah, I wasn't really fancying a night out much, but then I'd got talked into it by a, a couple of the lads just right at the very last minute, very last minute, I'd got talked into it. Yeah. And I was yeah. very much the same because I had made a couple of friends there and I was like, mm, do I really want to go? But then last minute, once again, I decided I would. And we just got talking. Yeah. And we ended up talking all night. So we got talking right at the start of the night. We all met up in Weatherspoons, didn't we? So we did. even before everyone else had arrived, we'd started talking. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that that was it. Yeah. And so you came back to my friend's house afterwards and we all just sat up talking all night. Yeah. Then we went to McDonald's for breakfast. <laughs> and part of me thought, I'm probably never going to see you again. 
Yep. But at the same time, I just felt there was such an intense connection and that you were going to be a really important part of my life. I just didn't know how. Well, earlier that evening, as we were walking from one venue to the next, you'd actually told me that I was the sort of person that you were going to marry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quite forward, aren't I, with things. I know what I want in life. Yeah. But that wasn't... That was like a deep feeling of just knowing that there was something really important. And I think from there, our relationship developed very quickly. It felt like a long time, but we mm. became quite good friends very quickly. Yes. And we would chat into the early hours of the morning, becoming increasingly exhausted. That's right. You well, did... you had a boyfriend at the time, so nothing else could happen. No. And um, even if we wanted it to, neither of us would have. But that I think that was probably... A bit of a saving grace, really, because if things had progressed any faster, then, I don't know, I might have got bored or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I was, no, you know what I was like at the time. I, 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 was, I was a different person to what I am now. Well, I think we both were, and that's... It's amazing, really, looking at our journey, where we are now and the life we have now together... Mm because we were both quite messed up in our own individual and unique ways. Yeah. And I think I was very oversensitive, very highly strung and very emotional. And <laughs> you were maybe not very sensitive at all. <laughs> Quite the opposite, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, you weren't very sensitive. And I'd noticed that you had quite a lot of difficulty expressing and understanding your own feelings yeah. And also a great and also difficulty. caring about other people's feelings. <laughs> well, yeah, to put it <laughs> bluntly. That's, well, that's something you and I are like, is it? I'm quite, I'm quite gentle. I tend to use, like, the softeners. You're very blunt and very direct, aren't you? So we're, yep. we're very opposite in almost every single way. <laughs> and I think at times it's been a miracle how we've got to this point because yeah. we are so different and I think throughout our relationship, we've had to learn, and it has been a very conscious effort to learn, how to communicate with each other more effectively. Yes, I'd agree with that. And I think there's a few key points in our relationship that really helped that transformation to take place. Mm -hmm. So in the first couple of years of our relationship, it was quite turbulent. Um, it was very on-off. We had a lot of difficulties. But then... I decided something needed to change, so I started going to relationship counselling. Yes, I, and I something I had no interest in doing at the time. <laughs> yeah, I made you, it quite clear that I had no interest in doing You weren't going to engage in that. So I went by myself, yep. and that was really useful because it it's was a very just, mature thing to do as well. Yeah, I would have been, what, about 19 at the time, we'd have been mm. living together. Yeah. But it was one key thing that that counsellor said that allowed me to think of things in a different way. She basically explained that I can't control your reactions, but what I could do is I could change my response to your behaviour and reactions. And as a consequence or an outcome of that, I would then likely to get a different response. Yeah. So that's what I did. That was the, probably that first awareness that if I change my behaviour and the way that I'm dealing with my emotions, then that's likely to have a different, more positive outcome. And I think that was a pivotal moment in our relationship when things started to change. Yes, which we now know to be true. If I might just add, in, in my defence, 
part of it was just sheer belligerence and stubbornness that I wouldn't go to counselling. But there is another little part to that as well in that it, it, it hadn't been all that many years since my dad had died and I'd had some counselling for some depression that I was suffering after that and it didn't do nothing for me whatsoever. So my very blinkered view of counselling was just simply it doesn't work for me. It didn't really enter my mind that I might have just had a bit of a duff counsellor or that I wasn't in the right place at that time for counselling. I just thought, nah, counselling's not for me for anything. Yeah, and I think that's the key thing, isn't it, when anyone's going for any therapy. It's not just the type of therapy that may or may not work for the individual person. Yeah. It's also the individual that's giving the therapy. The actual therapist. And also the dynamic between yeah. the therapist and the client. That's right. You could have a brilliant therapist, but the client might just not gel or feel comfortable with that therapist. Mm. It's, it's about that relationship. And what I always say to my clients is, come and have a chat with me first. And if I'm not the right person for you, that's okay. I'll help you to get to where you need to be. So I think that's a really valid point that you've raised there. Thanks. So, yeah, we had obviously that in the early days. Yes. But then another really important step in terms of communication, I think not only for me, but for you as well, the massive turning point was when we did our NLP, so Neuro Linguistic Programming Training. Now, by this point, obviously, we're already a, a fair way along the journey because we'd already done Reiki by this point, yes, hadn't we? Yes, we had, yeah. So that was that was the real... Well, I mean, there's lots of points that we'd look back and say, no, that was a real turning point. <laughs> oh, no, that was a real turning point. Because there were lots of points along the road that you can pinpoint. But actually, <laughs> pinpoint. it's been a journey, hasn't it? It really has, yeah. And then, yeah, communication-wise, like you say, the NLP definitely was, was a, a big part and I, I, it was something where learning these basic skills that other people just seem to do naturally, like whether it be other salesmen in, in the job that I do, or whether it's just people in everyday life, they seem to have a lot of these skills intrinsically without even knowing it or necessarily recognising it. It's not something they consciously do. You know, we're talking about things like matching, mirroring, using softeners, all, all so sorts of language, things. Yeah. yeah, reading body language and using body language and all these sorts of things. I was useless at, <laughs> utterly useless at. And it baffled me. I'm sat there in this classroom learning about all this, what seems like, basic stuff mm-hmm. I had no awareness of and I was I, constantly I was like why are we not taught this at school why are we not taught this at school I sound like a broken record why are we not taught that stuff at school where it's actually useful and it can change lives from an early age which is then going to mold people allow people to be themselves but with this extra bit of understanding about others and yeah, it, I was I was blown away by it, and it it seemed so simple, elementary, and basic, mm-hmm. and yet it just it was not something that was built into me. Yes, um, not necessarily something that was part of my upbringing. Mm-hmm. 
or anything like that. I'm sure not that it'd be for most people, but they might have it modelled more, a bit more understanding maybe, or sympathy, empathy, whatever it is. Yeah. And yeah, oh, it's crazy. So then I, I learnt that people think in different ways. Which is so obvious, but sometimes unless it's pointed out, you just don't realise it, that we're, yeah. we're not all the same. We all think in a different way. It never occurred to me. Take me in my job, for example, right? What I discovered on that course was at that time, I was very auditory. I've changed since, obviously, because I've worked on myself. But I was highly auditory. So I would hear something. You'd need to tell me something for it to go in, right? Yes. I can ignore visual cues and I was determined at the time that I didn't see an image. Um, I obviously, thinking back, I obviously did see an image. It's just, it, it was really hard to explain where I'd, I would know that there was an image there, but I wouldn't be able to visualise it, but mm -hmm. I would be able to describe it but it's not actually a picture that was going on in my mind. It's really yes. strange. But, yeah, so then at the time in my job, I could spend ages, if I met a customer and I'm trying to explain, oh, yeah, you've told me what you want, so oh, I can design your kitchen in this way and it'd look like this, and I'd try and paint them a picture with words. And I would fairly regularly just get blank expressions in return, mm -hmm. I'm like, I, I can see they don't understand. Now, at the time, because I didn't realise that it's just not compatible with their way of thinking, yep. I would just then try even harder to explain it to them. And I could I could spend an hour of a, an appointment or whatever just trying to get through, like, this is here, this unit's here, it goes up, it down, it's... It's across, it's, you know, Which that's this really colour. frustrating, isn't it, for you and, and the client? Yeah, and I'm thinking, why on earth do they just don't get this? And all the time, it's because I could have said anything and they wouldn't have got it because it's just not that how their brain works. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I wouldn't have been using the right language either to get their brain to process it in that way, where, of course, as soon as I learnt that, I went back to work because, of course, the key to using this is in everyday life. Definitely. It wasn't just a tool, like, to help my sales or anything like that. I'm not, I don't use it in an underhand way. Mm -hmm. um, but you use it in everyday life. So then you learn about this and then you listen for the language patterns that people are using and you're like, aha, I know just how to deal with you or I know just how to speak to you or I can hear what you're saying or what you're trying to tell me and life is different all of a sudden you view life differently and then I'll get a customer that clearly wasn't auditory and needed to see a picture and that's it the talking stops I'm like okay I recognize you need to see a picture let's sit down and I'll draw it and then I'm not wasting half an hour or an hour even like chatting talking at them, trying to explain something they're never going to understand. Yeah, and it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? And I think it was really also does. pivotal for our communication as a couple. Without doubt. Because I think we used to argue quite a bit, and it would be the tiniest things. I think stress is 
would build up in our work in our lives, particularly before I became a therapist. Yes. And we would end up having these big rows that got blown up out of all proportion. But when we learnt the NLP, that transformed as well because we recognised it's because we needed the reassurance in different ways and we communicated in different ways. Yes. So because you were very auditory in the way that you spoke, you were telling me that everything was okay, telling me that you loved me, but you had an angry expression on your face and you would often be in a raised, harsh tone. Because yeah. that was another yeah. revelation for you, yeah. that not only the words you say, but also the tone that you say it in yeah. and the body language to match is really important for most people because they read it as a whole. It sounds so obvious now. But you just didn't understand that, did you? Didn't recognise it. So you were telling me, but because I'm not predominantly auditory, yes. that wasn't going in, no. I'm very visual, so I could see the angry expression on your face, <laughs> seeing that you looked cross and frustrated and annoyed, <laughs> and that I'd be reading thinking, ah, oh, there's something really wrong here. Yeah. But also I'm very kinesthetic, I'm very tactile, I yes. need physical touch. And you don't tend to naturally give that. You tended to sort of back off, yep. be telling me stuff. Whereas when we recognise this within ourselves, you know now that if we're having a discussion and I start to feel insecure or panicked or things start to go downhill, just putting your hand on my arm or my shoulder or something settles me down. Yeah. And just by painting a picture for me, describing things in a visual way or changing your facial expression will settle me. Likewise, I know that if I need to communicate something to you, there's no point in me trying to give you a hug and describe something in a visual way. I need to tell you in words. Yes. And now we get that we very rarely fall out. And I think what an amazing transformation. We still yeah. have like the odd little bit here and there, but yeah, it's obviously. nothing compared to yeah. what it was. No. And I just think that's incredible. And when and it I... is, it just never goes as far, does it? It never lasts as long. No. Because it's just so much easier to rectify and i think when we've had all this therapy training because obviously it's my profession you hear about my job all the time because mm. i love what i do but you've also come along the journey with me and you're a trained therapist in integral eye movement therapy reiki nlp and you've also got quite a lot of experience in hypnotherapy and past life regression so it means you've got therapeutic tools and knowledge as well yeah and over the course of our lifetime together, we've been working on ourselves pretty much constantly. Absolutely. We start to recognise now if we're triggered by something, if something's bothering or upsetting us or stressing us out. Yeah. And we work upon ourselves. Yeah. We heal those things so that we're no longer having to react the same. That's it. And it's great as well because I feel very lucky because if something comes up for me, um, I can just say, Pete... Um, I've, I've met this person and I feel like there's a connection with them, but I don't know what that is. Would you past life regress me? Or Pete, I'm feeling these really uncomfortable emotions. I don't quite know where they originate from. Would you just do some eye movement therapy on me to shift it and sort it out? And it's great living with somebody that can give me that therapy when I need it. Yes. We do have to be careful in our household, however, though, because we have got these skills it's recognising that we don't always... <laughs> it's not nice when you feel therapised, yeah. if that's even a word. Well, that's it. So we have to sort of check with each other, don't we, now? Because sometimes, and I think it's more with me than you, if I tend to feel like you're trying to find too many solutions or giving me too much therapy when I don't want that, I can get a bit stroppy at you. So now, <laughs> if, <laughs> if we have an issue, 
we tend to ask each other, do you just want me to listen? Yeah. Or do you want some help finding a solution? Yeah. Because sometimes we just want to be human and we just want to vent and we want to be a husband and wife yeah. talking to each other about our day. We That's don't it. always need you to just, be You just want to give me all the verbal diarrhoea, let it all come out, <laughs> blah, 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 and then me just listen and just go, bless you, that sounds really tough, and just give you a hug. And <laughs> where are the times? Yeah, you, you may want a little bit more. Exactly. I mean, it's other things as well we've learnt about each other along the way, particularly exploring the NLP. Um, so we noticed that you are quite detail-orientated. Mm -hmm. You like the specifics. Yes. You're also logical and you're very procedural. So you like to, if you're telling a story, you'll tell it very much in order. This happens, then this happens, then next this happens, and then finally this happens. Mm -hmm. I'm not like that. <laughs> I... I'm big picture, so I have a big overview and I tend to like options and I jump around more. So it's now even... I like to think of you very much as that Harry Enfield sketch where it's information goes into a man's brain and it's stored <laughs> very orderly and neatly and then and here's what happens when it goes into a woman's brain and it's just this squiggly line that goes everywhere and alarms <laughs> going off and everything. I remember that sketch <laughs> quite well. All over I was the probably place. far too young to be watching it, but I didn't <laughs> sleep well as a child. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair description of you and I. But we even know now with the way we're telling stories. Yeah. So you know if if you've told me that some sort of drama's happened at your work. Yes. I used to find it really hard because I tend to have a an impatience, let's say. <laughs> I like to know the end of, of what so. happens. Yeah. But because you're detailed and because you like to tell things in a very linear style, you'd be saying, oh, I've had this awful day at work, and then you'd start telling me the scenario step by step. And I'd be there for like 15 or 20 minutes thinking, did it end up OK? Did you get in trouble? Did this customer shout at you or something? Um, that tends to build up like a certain stress or anxiety <laughs> within me, which obviously I still need to work on that. So once again, what you know to do now with me is you basically give me the punchline first, don't you? You say, yeah. I had this issue with a customer today at work, but it all ended up fine and it's all been resolved. Yeah. But here's what happened. But here's what happened. Yeah. So I just need that it worked out okay. <laughs> and then I can just relax and I can just listen to you. Whereas before, I was just so desperate to find out what happened, I would really struggle to listen. So I really think we've gone on a journey in terms of getting to know each other and ourselves. Mm -hmm. And as we've done that, that's given us more flexibility with how we communicate with each other. Definitely. Well, I think flexibility is a real key word, isn't it? I think that's what a lot of these techniques, therapeutic techniques, interventions and, and so on, I think that's what it gives you primarily is the ability to be flexible. Definitely. And to really choose. I know, I know. you know, being human, no matter how well-trained you are, you, you're going to be a bit of a slave to your emotions mm -hmm. now and again. Yep. But just having these tools, it definitely gives you the flexibility to, if you just want a day off, if you don't want to have to get stressed about a certain situation, you can seriously you can choose to view it differently to feel differently about it or to hear it in a way that you think yeah I'll let that one slide yeah most definitely and I think that's the thing when you've got that it empowers you 
Definitely. It gives you, like you say, choice and flexibility. But with that comes feelings of power and control in a positive, yeah. healthy way. So that you start to realise that no matter what situation you're facing externally, something you've always got control over is how you choose to think, feel, react and respond. Yeah. And that makes life so much easier. Oh, it does. And I think going back to what you said about schools, if only they taught these skills in school yeah. as the core part of the curriculum. Yeah. Because I think if you look at anybody that sort of really gets on in life, it tends to be that they're good at communicating. I think communication's essential. Oh, communication yeah. helps us do everything Absolutely. within our life but also how to emotionally regulate ourselves, that emotional intelligence, yeah. and how to understand other people. And I think if we all had that, life would be a lot more relaxed. It would be a lot more relaxed. And Communication it, between everybody would be better. And that could change things very, very quickly. Within a couple yeah. of generations, you could really shift things. Yeah. And, I mean, I think a lot of your stuff, I think a lot of both of our stuff, came from traumas. Yeah. I think a lot of you... You had some difficult things happen in childhood and in your early adulthood. Yep. And once again, I was the same. Yep. And I think that shaped us. And because we came together initially as wounded individuals, that then often caused a lot of the conflict. It wasn't actually us as adults. It was triggering off emotions and feelings yep. that we'd had from an earlier point in our lives. But it's not like, you know, going to be the same for everybody, isn't it? We're all... We're all at any point in our lives always doing the best that we can with the skills and knowledge that we have at that time in whatever the situation is. Exactly. And, and that's based on our upbringing, mm -hmm. on our past experiences, on choices we've made in the past and outcomes that came from those choices, so on and so forth. I completely agree. And I think you mentioned the Reiki a little while ago yep. and that was another pivotal transformation in terms of our healing well like i say there was there's pivotal points all along yeah. and you can say well that was one that was one that mm -hmm. was one there was quite a few and i think sort of the reiki so for people who maybe don't know what reiki is reiki is a form of energy healing so the idea is that everybody every living thing is an energetic system yep. so we know from science at school that everything that happens in your body is an energetic exchange. So your thoughts are electrical energy, your digestion's chemical energy, your movement's kinetic energy, etc. So those energetic processes should be flowing nice and evenly. And we have that energy within our body and also around us in an electromagnetic field. Yeah. And spiritually, we tend to call that an aura. Yeah. And when we have difficult feelings or emotions, mental health issues, physical issues that can all create blockages within the energy field of our body and stop things flowing as smoothly. So I came across Reiki and I started, I became attuned and I started working on myself. And you weren't, you were fine for me to go with the Reiki, but you hadn't really paid any attention until you started noticing with me mm -hmm. how I started to change. Yes. So I was a worrier. I used yes. to worry a lot and I used to struggle sleeping yeah. because I was always worrying. That's right. And you noticed it started to subside along with my health improving. It made a big difference. Yeah. Mm. And, and of course, at first, you, you had a bit of a struggle as well, didn't you, with your Reiki 1? Mm -hmm. It's where you had your sort of healing crisis, as it's yeah. known, and it, it brought a lot of things to the surface for you. 
And that's the thing sometimes with therapy or with healing, in order to release it, some things have to be brought to the surface to be cleared Absolutely. and shifted permanently mm. so you're no longer carrying them around somewhere within your system. Yeah. And I think the Reiki allowed us both to do that. And it was from me doing it, you quite quickly jumped on the bandwagon and a few months later you were attuned. Yes. I was a little bit envious that when you went through your Reiki one, you seemed to just sail through it. You didn't appear to have a healing crisis. No. You just felt wonderful and you just talked to it straight away. And I was like, what? That's not fair. It did swap around, however, at Reiki 2. certainly did. So I think because I'd shifted so much at Reiki 1, I found it quite easy, an easy adjustment when it became Reiki 2. Yeah. For you, however, it triggered a massive healing crisis. Oh, definitely. And I yeah. think that went on for about four months, didn't it? Oh, it went on for ages. I completely distanced myself from it, didn't I? Stepped mm -hmm. back. Stopped using it. Like, yeah, didn't do my 30 days of... Um, Your self-treatment. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think for you, what reaction. I noticed during that time is it brought up so much anger. Yeah. And it was, it was quite a volatile time in our household <laughs> because there was quite a lot of shouting. You threw quite a lot of things. I remember you throwing a potato one day, which is quite a random thing. You threw a potato across the kitchen. Out of temper. I think it could be worse. It, it could. And a coaster as well. A potato and a coaster. What two random things. But yeah. as that anger got released, yeah. it's never come back. No. And you're completely different now. You're so chilled out oh, and relaxed 99% yeah. of the time. You're very yeah. laid back now. Yeah. And that was phenomenal for me to watch, that process that you weren't having to cognitively do that. It was just through this Reiki and giving yourself some of the Reiki, this emotion came up, was released and disappeared. Yeah. And we've got to be getting on for a decade ago that happened now. So it's a long yeah. time that you've been very, very different Absolutely. and much more settled. Yeah, I've said that for a long time, haven't I? Anyone that knew me in the past, um, <laughs> when I was younger, I was a very, very, very different person to what I am now. I know, I know we all... We all can look back and imagine that it was a lifetime ago when you were a child or when you were a young adult or whatever, and at 45 years old I am now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. 20 years, 25 years is a long time. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm so different even to, I would say, 10, 12 years ago. The people that knew me 10, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't they wouldn't recognise you at all. I mm. think we're both completely different from when we met each other. Yeah. But I think because we're on this journey, we're constantly growing and evolving and changing. Yeah. And I would say, because of the experiences I have and we have as a couple, we're not the same people that we were a month ago, certainly not six months ago or a year ago, yeah. never mind looking back to the beginning of our relationship or before that. There's always opportunities for learning and, and we're, we're always evolving as well. Mm -hmm. One way or another, yeah, we still have our struggles, obviously. Yeah. Now and again, but they they don't tend to last overly long, do they? No, no I think we're much better thing. at healing and releasing things and also mm. being more forgiving with ourselves when we make mistakes. Yeah. Because I think we recognise that they're learning opportunities, they're going to help us in the future because it just shows us that there's a different way to do things yeah. that's going to serve us better moving forwards. I think the mindset as well... Um, the mindset and whether it's knowledge or belief, 
there's a fine line I, I feel sometimes between knowledge and belief but knowing that things are generally temporary yeah and then um, and again coming back to we can choose to change them so we find ourselves in a certain situation we manifest something different for ourselves mm -hmm. instead yeah absolutely yeah so yeah the reiki's been very powerful for both of us recognizing that we can facilitate change for ourselves yeah and i think the reiki principles are really important as well so it's not only giving the reiki yeah. But it's so there's five Reiki principles. So it's just for today, I'll not be angry. And the idea is obviously, if you're feeling angry, you're giving away your power to someone or something else. Just for today, I'll not worry. Worry is using your energy, but it's using it in a way that depletes you and drains you and messes up your immune system. Instead, you could be using that energy for something more constructive. Just for today, I will give thanks for my many blessings. So it's that idea of being grateful. When we've got an attitude of gratitude, we tend to notice the good things in our lives, which then attracts more of them towards us and gives us just a better outlook on life. Just for today, I'll do my work honestly, which is work upon ourselves. It's that healing journey. It's noticing our shadows, noticing our difficulties and being honest with ourselves as well as working on how to heal them and also noticing our successes to get us to where we need to be. And just for today, I'll be kind to my neighbour and every living thing. And I think that's really important because it's just those little acts of kindness can make a huge difference to other people. And so I love those principles and I think we live by them very much in our day-to-day -day life now. Very much. I, I fail on a daily basis with one or two of those. <laughs> but um, I'm sort of conscious of it and I, I do let go of things. So, for example working in like living out here in Snarford and working in Newark I spend quite a bit of time on the road every day and that gives me ample opportunity to meet any number of <laughs> very inconsiderate um, people who maybe have a different outlook when they're behind the wheel to what I do and uh, that that gives me lots of opportunity to practice <laughs> not being angry or <laughs> getting angry and then very quickly just letting go of it rather than, you know, you see people getting angry, holding on to it, getting right up behind someone, gesturing, beeping, flashing lights, all that sort of stuff. And if I'm ever tempted to, on the way home today, there was a, a lady pulled out in front of me at the A1 interchange and I was right on the roundabout and she just pulled out like I wasn't there and I had to slam on my brakes and I did flash my lights, didn't beat my horn, I flashed my lights and instantly just thought, there's no point. She obviously didn't notice me. There's no point making her aware of me now because I'm behind her and I'm in control and I'm not going to hit her or anything. So... I sort of very instantly just let it go. Council clear, delete any negative intent or emotion I was feeling and try to just project good driving skills and happy <laughs> thoughts 
in that general direction and hope that she should make better driving decisions for the rest of her journey. But that's a better way for you to be as well, because if you'd held on to all of that anger and kept it in your system, that would have released all sorts of negative hormones that then made you feel really stressed. It would have put pressure on your body. And over time, if you keep doing that, that's going to cause health problems. So My jaw would have been clenched, my neck would have been aching when I got home and everything. Well, that reminds me, during the beginning of my Reiki journey, of course, for years I'd experienced problems in my right knee. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, so whenever I got stressed, my right knee really hurt. Mm-hmm. And to the point where I was, I could very accurately tell you when it got below six degrees because my right knee used to hurt in the cold. Oh, yeah. Remember? Oh, yeah, and I'd I could say, that. oh, it, it's about six or it's below six because my right knee was hurting. And I'd been for physio in Skegness and in Lincoln. I'd been for physio on my knee and was told that I had a little chip um, in the bone, that there was just a little piece of bone missing. I don't and remember that at there all. Was, there was a grinding. Yeah, I remember the grinding. And it had been x-rayed and I had exercises to do and a tubic grip and stuff and this this big elastic like mm-hmm. rope type thing to push against and, and do some leg yeah. exercises and nothing ever worked until... I did the Reiki. And when I did the Reiki, was it at Reiki 1? Or was it Reiki? It was Reiki 1 or Reiki 2. But at some point during my early Reiki journey, that knee pain disappeared and it's never come back. I mean, it didn't move anywhere else in my body. It just went and it's never come back. And my right knee is just as good as my left knee now and they're both good. Yeah, which obviously I'd completely forgotten that had ever been a problem. So it yeah. shows just how long ago that was an issue for you. But it yeah. used to hurt you all the time, didn't it? It did. And it was it was a sure... It was getting worse and worse as well. Yeah. Back, back then. But it, it, that had lasted for years. Mm-hmm. You, so... you could always tell when you were getting stressed as well because your yeah. knee would hurt. So yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Oh, it's nice having this conversation, actually. It's reminding me of things that... We've forgotten because we do have a very busy, very active lifestyle. And I think yeah. because this is very much part of our lives, yeah. we are always on this healing journey and we're always having quite interesting and sometimes unusual discussions Yeah, that it can be so easy just to forget. And what I would say to anybody that is listening that's sort of starting on their well-being or spiritual journey, keep a diary or a journal for some of the key moments because... You think, oh, I'll remember this always. <laughs> but then as things start coming thick and fast and changing, it does tend to fade from your mind. So I'd say if you don't already do that, and I'm telling myself this as well because I've got yeah. a notepad next to me that I'm going to start doing that with, right, keep a journal. It's really worth seeing your progress over time. It is. And I think that's really good as well for, like, if you're having a bit of a rubbish day and you're thinking, oh, I haven't quite got this right or I've still got this issue. If you can look back to where you've been two or three years ago and notice the progress, that's really reassuring. Yeah, definitely. I think as well with our relationship, like I said, we do have these discussions all the time, and I think we're very lucky. We have so many interesting people that we know that have gone on personal development journeys, spiritual development journeys, they're therapists or are into therapy. Yeah. And I think a big part of what's changed and developed throughout our relationship as well is the concept of spirituality. Mm-hmm. So I know for me, when I was a child, I sort of always saw things. 
I had some extrasensory awareness. And I was also interested in things like crystals and the natural world around me. But you didn't really have that upbringing in the same way. Not at all. Not that, not that it, my upbringing was against it or anything like that. It just, just wasn't something that we really encountered. It wasn't any topic of conversation in any way. We didn't watch programmes on the telly. I mean, when I was little, there was only three TV channels and then four <laughs> TV channels. And and so there wasn't the wealth of, uh, of information as readily available at the time. But, um, yeah, it, it just wasn't something... There wasn't anyone spiritual in my family. My grandparents, my my great auntie, my extended family, you know, my aunts and uncles, mum, dad, sister. No one was especially spiritual. Mm-hmm. If you'd have asked me what spirituality was, I'd have probably thought you meant religious. Yes. And, it, you know, it didn't occur to me that spirituality was different from religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think spirituality can manifest in so different ways. So it can be part of a religious experience, but also there's different facets of it. So lots of people I know that are on spiritual journeys have all taken that in completely different directions. It's what their individual soul or their purpose or their part of their journey needs at the time. So I think when we first met, it was quite interesting because quite quickly within those first six weeks or so of our relationship we had a few key spiritual experiences yeah so one of them was we went and sat by the boating lake one night when we just got together well we regularly used to go and sit near the boating lake didn't we yeah sit on the bench and cuddle but that one particular night i noticed a male presence came and sat with us and i felt that it was your dad and so that was just i took that as a nice little nod because he did, he just gave me a little nod of just sort of reassurance that, yes, this is right, this is good. And then what I... I didn't tell you straight away, but mm-hmm. I then got invited to your mum's house and I was looking through photographs and I saw a picture of your dad stood by a canal boat. Yes. And I was like, that's the man that was sat near us on the bench and it sort of confirmed it for me. I so I ended up having that conversation with you. Yeah. And I wasn't sure how you were going to take it, but you were absolutely fine. I don't think you really commented a lot probably at the time no, I, w- I wouldn't have <laughs> but you tolerated it I think another key experience even before that is we like so we used to speak on the phone quite a lot and there was late one night when we we're speaking and we felt very very connected and you had the strange sensation that it felt like I was physically with you yeah do you remember that I do yeah yeah I remember that um because uh, that was at the time in the very early days when our relation, that was our relationship, pretty much. It was just on the phone, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, would we see each other at the weekend, maybe? Yeah, one or night. maybe one evening a week to go yeah. to Weatherspoons to have steak night or something after Well, work, I th- that came afterwards, did I think. It? That, I that wasn't before. in the very, very early days. Um, it, it was just, yeah, on the phone. And we had one of those tariffs. I was on pay-as-you-go with Vodafone <laughs> at the time. I remember it quite clearly. And I'd pay... Um, 15 pence an hour. It was, yeah, 15 pence an hour. Um, as long as you put the phone down after the hour, we had to put the phone down and ring back. Yes. For it to count, so otherwise you went over and it would be like 15 pence a minute or something mm-hmm. after that. So we had to be careful. Um, 
but yeah, we'd, we'd be on the phone. We'd ring each other at, what, like 10 o'clock at night or something <laughs> and we'd be on the phone until 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it was crazy, wasn't it? And then it? somehow we'd get up and go to work or mm-hmm. college or whatever we were doing <laughs> and <laughs> function yeah. Well, it, but then you didn't really function. You could sort of function, but then you developed sort of a temporary narcolepsy for a few months, didn't you? Where <laughs> you would randomly just fall asleep as you were busy doing things, as yes. you were walking along, as you were mid conversation. Um, yeah, there were multiple times where we were together and I just, <laughs> just fall asleep, asleep mid conversation. But it would be so weird because it would be like instantly you would just, your head would flop, your eyes would close, and you'd go. Um, <laughs> I'm really thankful that that didn't last. I think it was just probably exhaustion from all the talking. But anyway, we're going off topic a bit. So, yeah, we'd had the conversation yeah. for 59 minutes. So, so yeah, I think we'd basically... My, my recollection of that was we'd been talking and talking. We'd been talking for several hours. And then we got to a point where we were just sort of listening to each other, breathing, mm-hmm. I think, at that particular... I think we were Time, too was, tired to talk, but didn't really want to go. Yeah, and it, it was quite interesting, and it probably sounds pathetic, but <laughs> we were pretty much just listening to each other breathing quite a bit, and then just saying the odd thing here and there, and yeah, and I just got the strangest sensation. I can still, I can still picture clearly. I was sat outside the flat that I lived in at the time had like a terrace type thing. It sounds posh, but it's really not. It's like the roof of this building below. Um, I was sat out there in the pitch black at whatever mm-hmm. it was, three in the morning or something. And uh, I think I was smoking. That's why I was sat outside, because I used to go sit outside and smoke myself daft. Or, you know. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, I was I was just quietly sat outside listening to the breathing, and then I just got this sensation that you were there with me. I didn't go anywhere. It wasn't that I was with you. Mm-hmm. It was that you were there with me. Yes. And I felt that as well, and I've had that experience throughout my life. And now I know it's more being like astral travelling. Yeah. But I wouldn't have known the terminology or what that was. No. But that's something I've always done and I, I still can do. And I do it purposefully now sometimes yeah. to go and help other people sort of shift energies. Yeah. But that was the first time somebody else... I'd heard of it. ...had noted it. I yeah. liked... I, I had a book I got from a cousin um, called The Unexplained. And it was I think it was basically a collection of magazines that he'd put together and put into a binder. It was right. one of those type deals. And it had all sorts of stuff in it, you know. UFOs, spontaneous human combustion, um, extrasensory perception, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And astral travel was a little section in that. And yeah. didn't tell you how to do it or anything. It just sort of said what it was and mm-hmm. stuff. I had a skim, read it, and just so that I had an awareness. So if the term was used, I'd basically have a bit of a rough idea of what mm-hmm. someone was talking about. But I'd certainly never tried to do it I'd never experienced anything like that before but it was crazy the feeling you you were there I'm like you were actually there with me Mm -hmm. and yeah I'd said about it down the phone yeah and you were like yeah I can feel it too it was it was pretty cool that was I like that yeah 
I'm not sure I've felt it that strong, at least since that time. No, I certainly haven't. It was quite a unique experience, I think. Mm. Yeah. So we had that, and then the other experience we had was... So, as, as you carry on listening to these podcasts, you will start to find out more and more about sort of the unusual things that have happened throughout my life and the work that I do. Um, but when I was 17, 18, one of the strange things that started to happen is a man started to appear wherever I was when I was in this place where I grew up called Oldford. And this man would just appear and my mum noticed it and she started to get freaked out. But it was as if he would almost like apparate. He would just be there yeah. from nowhere. And it was a bit freaky. But me and mum didn't know if it was just us imagining it. Was it us sort of building up a story? Were we getting paranoid about it? But then the first time you came round to my parents' house to stop the night, it was just before I started university. Yes. Um, we camped in the back garden. But we went for a walk in the evening. So it must mm. have been probably about 10 o'clock at night because it had been yeah, over the summer. probably dark. And there was a house down the bottom of the road. So how far distance-wise? I'm not good at distance, so... Yeah, a couple hundred yards. And that man appeared. And yeah. you... Like he was not there one minute. And then he was there. Like, he, I wasn't aware of him walking down the path or anything mm -hmm. like that. Not that that stood out at the time, but just, yeah. But what you notice is, I remember you turned to me saying, what's wrong with that man's eyes? They were white and they glowed. Yeah, and they had a black slit down them. And I don't even know how you could see it from that distance away because it's too far to really see eyes, but yeah. you saw that. And I just grabbed your hand and I just thought, thank goodness you can see this too. Yeah. Because I've always seen and sensed different things. Yeah. And I've gone through periods of thinking, am I mentally unstable? Is this an overactive imagination? Yeah. Am I experiencing something, but am I completely on my own with this? And for years growing up, there was a lot of scary things that happened in the family home in terms of supernatural experiences. And I felt very, very isolated and alone with that. It felt like there was nobody to turn to and that could help me or that could understand where I was coming from. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you saw something that I see and experience. And the relief that gave me... I mean, then when I thought about it a bit more, I was thinking, oh, gosh, there really is something in this. This man really is a bit strange <laughs> and appearing and he's got glowing eyes. But for that moment, I just thought, <clears throat> it makes sense. Yeah. And, um, um, yeah, that really transformed things for me. Yeah. I mean, that, that was freaky. I remember that's something else I remember quite clearly, mm. where... Like I say, one there, there was no one there, and then because I was just sort of thinking, oh, how quiet and peaceful and whatever it was, and then yeah, the next minute he was there, and then I was noticing, oh, I know I realised he's there because I can see these two white glowing eyes. Mm -hmm. I didn't notice the black slits until we were a lot closer, because obviously, well, not obviously, but for the listeners to paint the picture, the the road is just a small road and it, it went down, it's sort of shaped a bit like a hockey stick where it goes down in a straight line and then there's a sharp 90 degree bend at the mm -hmm. bottom as it runs off to then join another road. Yeah. And he was at the bottom, so he he was on the actual bend and he was facing up the road mm -hmm. to where we were. And as far as I could see, he had no business just being stood still there he wasn't smoking. You know, you can imagine someone might step out of their front door to have a cigarette or something or 
do something. He wasn't doing anything. He was just stood staring at us as we were walking down the road. Mm -hmm. And he stood there and he watched us walk all the way down so that we were just opposite him, the, the opposite side of the road to where he was stood. And then we walked around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just, like, he stood dead still and he just followed us around. He crooned like his, his head and his body around, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, <laughs> his head and body turned as we turned the corner and as we'd walked a bit down and we looked back to see if he was still there, he was just stood in the exact same place, but he'd just twisted round, so he was watching us. And because we were that much closer, that was when I noticed, like, that's really weird. He had vertical slits uh, in these glowing black eyes for pupils. Yeah. They were weird. <laughs> that was weird. Like, I'd never seen anything like it before. It's not anything we'd discussed either. No, because I'd been very wary, I think, of telling people experiences that happened to me because they sounded so far-fetched. Mm. And also, I was quite afraid people wouldn't believe me or would think I was making it up, all these other things, that sort of all these doubts in my mind. So that was the first time we ever had any of those conversations about what had happened to me yeah. throughout my life and what I'd experienced. Well, I think the person I was at the time as well, I'd have been very dismissive of anything like that. Very dismissive, because it wasn't something that you were open to. It wasn't something that you were aware of having any particular experience of. Yeah. At the same time, though, I wasn't necessarily closed to it. Mm -hmm. It's just that I wasn't necessarily open to it either. Yes. It was just like, mm, really? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Thankfully, however, that's not sort of where our experiences have ended. I think oh, no. we have had lots of experiences where different energies have needed shifting and we've learned how mm. to do that. Yep. But as we've developed spiritually, we've really changed the way we view everything in life oh, absolutely. I think we feel very connected to everyone and everything yeah we have all sorts of lovely interests and hobbies now that come from that spiritual way of thinking yeah and our perception just keeps expanding and changing all the time now doesn't it sure does and the conversations that we have as well not just with each other but with other people just they're just that much more fascinating mm. you know once upon a time, the only conversations I'd have had would have been about how much you drank when you went out the night before <laughs> or, you know, oh, football, football, football. Yeah. And now, yeah, I can have some conversations about football, mm -hmm. but I get to have great conversations about spirit animals, about aliens, about conspiracy theory, about... All sorts of things. I don't know. You name it. Yeah. And <laughs> I yeah. mean, it was great today in the car. Actually, um, I was driving with the kids, and they all started discussing evolution and different theories of <laughs> evolution, and yeah. also different theories of who we are and what makes us human and consciousness. It. it I mean, it's very yeah. advanced for a twelve, ten, and whether and evolution was in fact real or not. Yeah. So. Our youngest, she was talking about how she felt things evolved. Sort of, there was talk about chickens and dinosaurs and fish <laughs> and chimpanzees. And then Charlie interjected, uh, our middle one, and he was like, Well, I, I'm not sure reality is reality. It could be a simulation like the Matrix. Um, 
And then we started discussing the possibility of this being basically the Matrix. Yeah. And, and I was like, well, actually, I can perceive that that's a possibility, that maybe this reality is a projection of part of our consciousness or part of our soul for us to have a human experience. Yeah. And especially because I'm open to the idea that we are a soul that occupies a human body and that our consciousness is something separate to us. Yep. Perhaps this is just a simulation almost for us to have those experiences. So, yes, we are on one level still very much here, but also on another level we're not. It got really very complicated. Oh, yeah. Um, but these conversations fascinating we don't know the answers no. but we can hypothesize yeah. and we can look at possibilities and yeah it, but it's listening to other people's ideas as well that's the beauty of those conversations because we're not we're not trying to tell the kids what they need to think we're just being open and saying really that's a fascinating idea and like just trying to ask them and where might that go or mm. here's here's something i heard or here's something i thought or here's something i know someone thinks and yeah not saying what's right and wrong what they should and shouldn't believe but just allowing them to have their thoughts and explore those thoughts without yeah. there being that judgment yeah and fear. never never saying oh that's ridiculous right imagine how many times as a child you'd have maybe thought out loud or or said you know oh mum oh dad what about this as an idea? And then them just turn around and go, I'm tall daft, you know. Or, mm -hmm. This is this is that. I I'm a person of science, and I can tell you that this is a fact, and just rubbish some belief or some spark, just dis extinguish some spark that mm -hmm. might have been there. Who knows? And I think that's where we have to be really careful. I mean, particularly with children, I think it's allowing them to keep that awe and wonder. And also allowing them to have that ability to dream and create and imagine and think outside the box. And to but, question. And to question. I think it's really important to be able to question is an essential skill. Yeah. I think it's important to question everything we're told. Yeah. Not in a sort of paranoid way, but just there's always more than one perspective to anything. Definitely. And I think that's something we could all really learn. Uh, I mean... We could get much better. I was speaking to Caroline about this when we were doing a conversation, when we were having a conversation the other day. And we were saying how we all have that confirmation bias that we all tend to see and perceive things that match our own belief systems. That's right. So that goes along with, I like to say this, that goes along with the seeing is believing is the wrong way around. So the saying, seeing is believing, is inaccurate because actually you believe. You, you don't believe what you see, you actually see what you believe. And that's the thing, that makes it so that each and every one of us have our own complete unique reality. Yeah. Because it's all how our minds perceive the information. And it's what makes eyewitness testimony so, like, utterly inaccurate and whatever is, is the bias. Mm, absolutely. But I think it's that being able to be open... So being able to approach a conversation with somebody else without the expectation of where it's necessarily going to go, just like this conversation's evolved very organically this evening, but also it's that suspending your own judgment and ideas sometimes to be mindfully and actively listening. 
yeah. and open to the other possibilities. Once you've evaluated them, you might think, mm, no, it doesn't quite sit with me. Yeah. But I think when we have open conversations with others and we're genuinely invested and involved in those without trying to push our own agenda, mm. there's real potential for learning and opportunity and growth. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's maybe the message that I would like to leave this conversation on today, that it's great to have those conversations with people. It's great to reflect back on the things that you've known, the people that you've been. It's great to have an awareness of where you are now. And it's amazing to look at different possibilities on all aspects of our being. Yeah. So have you got any final thoughts that you would like to finish off with, Pete? Putting me on the spot a little bit there. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> wasn't quite expecting it. I was just thinking, oh, you're just going to sign off quite nicely. End it quite nicely. <laughs> I'd like to keep you on your toes. i say, yeah, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for including me in this. No, just be open. Wonderful. Love. Be open and love. <laughs> That's nice. <it. laughs> So whatever you're doing out there, I hope you are having a great day and continue to have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening and I shall speak to you again soon. Take care and bye-bye for now. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you are interested in what we do, please go to my website, www.tranquil-awakenings.co.uk. As well as information on the therapies I offer, there is also links to my Past Life Regression Therapist program and my professional hypnotherapy training programs. If you are looking for online training for self-development, please go to debbieison.thinkific.com and also remember to follow me on social media. Simply on Facebook, type in Tranquil Awakenings to find my business page and I'm also on Instagram. I love hearing from you. Please do send any comments or questions. And if you have any ideas of what you would like me to talk about on future episodes, please do send me a message.